1: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what
1: do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?
0: your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man as a husband no agenda there is no fear in this dojo this is no hyperbole this is the best part of the week here's the maestro
1: mike bomb all right we whittled it down here's number 5 the cliffs dull edge first of all somebody has to explain to me the fascination with cliff kingsbury The Rams 20-12 victory over the Cardinals on Sunday afternoon in Glendale moved Sean McBay's career record against Kingsbury to 7-1. Kingsbury took over the Cardinals in 2019 after six stellar seasons in Lubbock, where he posted a record of 35-40 and a stellar campaign in 2015, where the Red Raiders finished tied for fifth in the Big 12. Back to the desert, the Cardinals faced 4th and 4 from the Rams, 26th with just over 11 minutes left in the game, trailing by two scores, 20-9. to Would Kingsbury do the right thing and kick a field goal to bring this to a one-score game? Well, he was so wrought with indecision that he had to burn a timeout. He came back and went for it on 4th and 4. Murray's pass to Marquise Brown was batted down, and the Rams took over. Still a two-score game. Here's the problem, Cliff. You only got the ball back one more time. The Rams went on a 70-yard drive, taking five minutes off the clock, and lucky for you, fumbled at the goal line. Then you matriculated the ball down the field. 17 plays and 5.32 off the clock to kick a field goal with just over a minute to go to narrow the gap to 20-12. to When the onside kick failed, all the Rams needed to do was take two knees, and the game was over. So why no field goal down 20-9? Here's Cliff Kingsbury. The 11:29, where you could have kicked a field goal, made it a one possession. Do you regret that? I don't. I don't. I, I like the the call we had. I like what we had going. It just uh, didn't work out for us. You know, that, that's one of those situations. You, you analyze everything and, and the situation in the game, and, and take all those things into account, and um, just didn't didn't convert it. Unfortunately. Hey, that's our guy Ron Wolf, Wolfie. Yeah, he Wolfie. was here. He was here with us two weekends ago uh, during the Canelo fight. We're going to be doing some stuff with him in Arizona. He didn't feel like field goals were gonna get it done. You know, maybe the Cardinals would have been better hiring a different Texas Tech quarterback. Maybe Graham Harrell, possibly better off with Graham Potter. Maybe Billy Graham or Graham Crackers. All right, (laughs) number four. Keeping up with the Joneses. The mega blockbuster franchise Jurassic Park's next installment may very well chronicle Matt Ryan's time in Indianapolis. But on Sunday, it was the Colts who dashed the hopes and dreams of Chiefs backers. Trailing 17-13 with just over five minutes left in the game, the Colts and Ryan faced third and six from their own 39. Ryan was sacked by Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton bringing up fourth and 14. The Colts would have to punt and hope to hold Patrick Mahomes and company on downs for any chance. But wait, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones had some parting words for Matt Ryan and referee Sean Smith was right there to hear it all and toss a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. First and 10 Colts on the 46. What exactly did Jones say to Ryan? It seems a a bigger secret than the whereabouts of Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) Referee Smith would only say it was, quote, abusive language towards an opponent. And when asked if it included profanity, he said it'll be in our report to the league. Matt Ryan wouldn't give it up either, commenting it's a big penalty. You've got to keep your cool sometimes in those situations. And Jones would only say, I don't think I said anything horrendous. But the official called it, and I can't take it back. I take full blame. And the Colts took full advantage. Ryan led them on 10 more plays, culminating with a 12-yard touchdown pass to Jelani Woods with 24 seconds remaining. On Monday, Chief Head Coach Andy Reid quipped, I know talking takes place during the game. The best advice I can give is just don't talk. Probably not, Coach, especially after you just forced a punt in the game's final five minutes. Number three, sliced and triced. Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa, was the scene of Saturday's Big 12-12 between Baylor and Iowa State, and the scene of one of the worst calls in recent years. Leading 10-7 with just under nine minutes remaining in the second quarter, Baylor faced third and seven at the Cyclone 29. Baylor handed off to Craig Williams, who was tackled after a short game, forcing a long field goal attempt. But there was a flag on the field iowa state was called for a personal foul for a defensive block below the waist what a defensive block below the waist if you're watching on Nessen or marquee or any of those networks that carry us or vsin.com we've got the footage as six foot five three hundred and ten pound baylor offensive tackle gavin Byers pulled iowa state db anthony johnson all 207 pounds of him came up and run support as johnson braced for the contact buyers drove him into the ground, and a personal foul was called for a low block. We've got the still shots here. This is simply outrageous. Matt Campbell, Iowa State head coach and frequent no hyperbole contributor, was so outraged that he called timeout just so he could go on the field and yell at the officials and beg for them to look at the replay on the big screen. Instead of a 46-yard field goal attempt, Baylor was awarded first and 10 at the Cyclone 14, and five plays later, Bears quarterback Blake Chapin hit linebacker Dylan Doyle with a one-yard touchdown pass, and Baylor led 17-7. Let's be honest, Dave Aranda pantsed Campbell for most of the afternoon, (laughs) but the personal foul on the Cyclones tops the chart for worst flag of the season to date. Number two, do it three times, shame on who? We all know the saying, do it once, shame on you, do it twice, shame on me, but who gets the shame when you do it three times? The University of Missouri pulled off a trifecta of blunders to steal defeat from the jaws of victory against Auburn on the plains of Jordan-Hare on Saturday afternoon. Trailing 14-0 after the first quarter, the Tigers rallied to tie the game at halftime, and the second half was scoreless, when Missouri took over on its own 30-yard line with a minute 28 to go after stopping Tank Bigsby on a fourth-and-one dive. With 49 seconds left, quarterback Brady Cook hit dominant level with a 39-yard pass down to the Auburn three. Auburn was forced to call its second timeout. The next play was especially curious. Cook took the snap and went back five yards before kneeling in the middle of the field at the eight. Auburn called their final timeout. Missouri took another knee and then a timeout with two seconds left, setting up a game-winning field goal try from Harrison Mavis, who missed, pushing it wide right by inches. Why did Missouri head coach Elliot Drinkwitz have Cook go back five yards on the first down play? The field goal may well have been good from 22 or 23 yards out. On to overtime we go where Auburn gets the ball first. The Missouri defense was stout as it had been in the final three quarters of the game. Auburn kicker Anders Carlson missed badly left on his 44-yard field goal attempt and Missouri took over needing only a field goal. But wait, of course, Missouri was offsides and Carlson nailed his 39-yard attempt. On Missouri's second play in overtime, running back Nathaniel Pete looked like he was on his way to seal victory for the boys from Columbia as he raced towards the end zone. But as he reached out the ball to stick it inside the pylon, he fumbled it, and Auburn safety Caden Bridges jumped on it in the end zone to secure an ugly victory for Auburn and Brian Harson's place on the Tigers' sideline for at least one more week. Three catastrophic fails in less than 10 minutes of real time for Missouri and a bitter pill to swallow to start their SEC campaign. Up next, top-ranked and undefeated national champion Georgia comes a-calling in Columbia. And number one, Napier-like wit. Florida had beaten Tennessee 16 of the past 17 matchup, heading into Saturday's showdown before 102,000 people at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Volunteer quarterback Hendon Hooker threw for 348 yards and ran for another 112 as the 12th-ranked Volunteers beat the 22nd-ranked Gators 38-33. The top spot on no hyperbole was earned by Florida head coach Billy Napier with 449 remaining in the game. The Gators had just scored a touchdown and cut the lead to 38-27. Napier went for two to cut the deficit from 11-9 to nine and, of course, failed. They scored again with just 17 seconds left in the game, went for two again, and didn't get it. They end up losing the game by five after a Hail Mary attempt is intercepted on the last play. Let's listen to Billy Napier on why he went for two down 11.
0: You know, there's two avenues uh, when you really dig into the numbers about the approach there. Um... You know, first of all, you start talking about playing for a tie, right? When you're on the, when you're on the road, there's a slight advantage for the home team in overtime, right? And then there's certainly a bigger advantage when you're a two-score favorite, right? I think it's about around 60, 63% advantage if you're the home team playing overtime and you're a two-point favorite or a two-score favorite. So that goes into your decision making. And really all you're trying to do is, de- is declare the path earlier in the game, right? Uh, so you go for two there, and if you, if you get it, you're at nine. Okay, now you're in position to win the game with an extra point, whereas if you don't get it, now you're still two scores with an additional opportunity to go for two.
1: So what you're telling me is if the Florida boosters had bet this number down to seven, we'd have been looking at a field goal tip and maybe talking about overtime instead of these statistics that come from nowhere.